Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Ride with Chris Harris Jr. and Patrick Coyote. Chris, we got a fired up episode today because the USA Today article that just dropped this morning talking about Sean Payton going the day before we go into training camp. This is what a way to open yeah. up training camp with a bang, right? Uh, first of all, Chris, happy Thursday. How are you? Yes, sir. Doing good. We got a lot of good good news going out and training camps kicked off, so Woo. I'm excited. Yeah, Broncos had their first ramp-up practice yesterday uh, from the, the way things looked. Guys were moving. Guys look good. Guys look yeah. locked in. It's great to see some of those guys back out there. Justin Simmons was back out there. Um, Tim Patrick, huge to see him back out there. A uh, couple quick notes. KJ Hamler was not on the field yesterday. He has been dealing not with the pec injury, but with another undisclosed injury that uh, he's kind of working through right now. So we are going to just keep our eyes on that situation. But Chris, the Broncos were out for their ramp up practice. Russ looked good. He looked like he was moving. He looks locked in. I'm loving this new this new energy coming out of Broncos uh, camp. How, how are you feeling the day yeah. before camp? Yeah, I think um, the Broncos look like they they have something to prove. Like they have a big chip on their shoulder this year, and uh, they want to change the narrative about from last year. And they felt embarrassed for it, so um, I'm glad they feel like that and uh, we're approaching it. Not usually in training camp, some people are like, "Oh, I just want to get through it," you know, yeah. and then I'll get ready for the season. But it seems like they're attacking it, uh, trying to really uh, get better and improve and try to make fast changes. So I like the attitude that they're bringing in so far. Yeah, well, you talk about chip on your shoulder. This big uh, this big news that came out this morning from USA Today, an article talking about Sean Payton and how he felt about the Broncos coaching staff last year and, and the reason for their uh, awful performance last year. He put a lot of the blame, Chris, on head coach Nathaniel Hackett. He talked a little bit about Russ. You know, he he mentioned that Russ still has some gas in the tank. He said this is a guy who yeah. is still motivated. He's still ready to go. He's still ready and rearing. He's the guy that we all saw in Seattle. But what we saw last year was not so much a product of him, but a product of his environment. And he, a couple of highlights from this article, Chris, that, you know, I, I want us to talk about the first thing he mentioned, the media circus that was surrounding the Broncos last year, post-trade hiring Nathaniel Hackett. Um, he, he talked about how there was so much, like, we just got to put this out there from the, from the media. Like we have to, oh, they, they're doing this and they're doing that. And, and Russ has an office, yeah. and Russ has his training staff and Russ has his coaches in the building and everybody was making such a big deal about it. What are your thoughts about that as far as the quarterback goes? Because from what Sean Payton said, this is a pretty normal thing. Yeah. Um, definitely all the stuff that you hear him having his own office and, you know, having his own coaches, that's very unusual. You know, even Payton didn't have that, right? right? So you're seeing things that are 
a guy that's just, you know, they pretty much opened the floodgates for Russ, you know, and that's kind of different, you know, um, uh, compared to other quarterbacks that you see around the league. Or I'm pretty sure that all quarterbacks have access, you know, 24-7 to the rooms if they want, you know. I think any player does, you know. Uh, I I don't think they're going to ever, you know, tell players you can't come in and watch film. Yeah. Right? So – uh, those things, uh, I could see those probably could have been an issue, you know, seeing that. And then it's all about producing on the field. As players, we got to find a way to produce, how to be productive. Um, we've all, if you've been in the league, you're going to have multiple coaches, right? Uh, being a good football player is being able to adapt to whatever the coach is trying to make you do. Um, uh, unfortunately, you know, you have a coach, which is it's his first go around, right? This, yeah. A lot of them, I don't know if he had, I got to go back and look on his staff. Did he, did he have any super veteran coaches? Yeah. I mean, he, he had a new D coordinator. He was a pretty young D coordinator. Yeah. You know, I, he yeah. still, he, he still did good. I mean, Evera was, yeah, Evera was running one of the best defenses. Yeah. In the so league he did good he, right there. Yeah. yeah. But he did have, uh, was and he was OC, wasn't he? Hackett. Uh, Hackett. He had, was, yeah. He had he had some guys that were like assist like assistant OCs essentially, um, but he was the main play caller for the offense. And then wow. they had uh, I think the the most veteran coach that they had on that staff was Jerry Rosberg, who ended up being the interim head coach for the last couple weeks of the season. And I, he was the one that had the most experience on the on the staff. And when he came in, he really shifted everything around. He changed the whole culture from from the, the second he took over until the end of the season, because it, it, like Peyton said, it was just a, it was a mess. And he right. really, he really dug in to the way that Hackett was coaching and the way that he was controlling things. And I mean, he called out the GM, he called out uh, the, the president, he called out the, the assistant staff, he called out the training room. Sean Payton went off and, you you know yeah. we were talking about this before the show and is this going to light that fire under the Broncos? Is this the thing yeah. that's going to give them that chip on their shoulder? They were a joke last year. They were a joke. Yeah. And in the national, I think, um, I think uh, Sean Payton being able to bring that experience. You know he has that championship level attitude, yeah. and he he's gonna he expects you know he gets a high level of respect from players because he's done it in the league. Yeah. And then he's coming out saying, like, hey, last year was a joke. Like, the whole thing, the whole organization, how it was ran was a joke. Um, he, 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 if anybody can judge the matter, it would be Sean Payton. Yeah. So he has that respect to be able to say that. So um, now the proof is in the putting on Sean and, and this offense and Russ and what they're going to do in the season. Now you got to come out here and show that it's a complete change and produce and win games. So yeah. now it's about what you're going to do in between those lines. And how many games we're going to win? Yeah, Denver definitely has that target on their back now, and and those comments today even drew the ire of uh, Robert Sala, the New York Jets head coach, because he was talking about Nathaniel Hackett, who is the OC of the Jets now, and he said, "You know what? Haters are going to hate. Um, if you're talking about us right now and we don't play until Week Five, that means that you know we're already in your brain." Uh, so. Strong words coming from Sala. Um, you know, he's he's a guy that he's a guy that I like uh, as a head coach. I, I think he's a he's a dude that gets fired up, and he's definitely one of those uh, one of those coaches that you do respect. But 
like you said, you have to give Sean Payton his due. Like they, if anyone can come into a team and say, hey, what we did last year was not great. Uh, we we got to change X, Y, and Z. It's Sean Payton. And he mentioned in that article, uh, he, he drew comparisons between the Broncos team that he took over and the Saints team that he took over in 2006. And he said, you know, there's a lot of similarities between these two teams. When I took over the Saints, they were one of the worst offenses in football. We made them into division champs the next year. And the, the quote that stood out to me was, uh, this team should be pissed if they are not a playoff team. That to me, what like take all the negativity, like take all the negative comments that you want out of what he said. But that sentence right there shows me that he sees the talent. He sees what this team is capable of doing, but they just have to be the ones to put it together and they're going to put it together under his guidance. What do you think of Sala's reaction? And then in turn, Billy Turner's reaction, who was on the Broncos last year saying, this is just Sean Payton being a hater. Yeah. And um, Billy Turner, you know, he's saying that he inherited some bad fruit, you know, that he it's not going to be a good, as good as he thinks. So yeah. Pretty much, he might. He's pretty much saying that hey, the players are just not that good. That's pretty Ooh. much what Billy was saying. So you might, yeah. And uh, it's. I think it's gonna be a great game. That was one of my key games. You know. Yep. Uh, do they play at New York? Uh, they play in Denver. Okay, so they get to play. Didn't they play in the Jets? Came to Denver last year, didn't they? I think so. Yeah. And they yeah. won. So now yeah. they gotta. You know, they gotta get that revenge. You can't let this team come back to Denver twice. Yeah and win in our house so that's that's just something that we can't allow so uh that's a game that i'm marked that's a prime time game so that's gonna be a um it's gonna have playoff implications all that so yeah um it's gonna be a good afc west battle or afc battle yeah well i I mean ticket prices for that game i think after today they shot up about 50 percent because This is going to be one of the. I think all our games, they should be sold out anyways. That's usually (laughs) how. They should be. You know, uh, I I think the, with all the the headlines, like Sean Payton also mentioned hard knocks in in this interview. And granted, New York did not choose to be a part of hard knocks. They were assigned to be on hard knocks. And he drew comparisons to the media circus last year with Denver and then now the media circus with Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. And he's saying that that can have an impact on a team. And he, he drew comparisons also to other teams that he's seen around the league. He, he mentioned one team, I think it was Washington in 2000, when he was coaching with the Giants. He said, you know, we, we saw them paying all of these players and getting all of these players. They got Deion Sanders. How are we going to compete with that? They have this super team. And then they ended up only winning eight games. So what he was trying to say was it, it, you can hype up a team as much as you want, but if you're not producing on the field, what was the hype about? So it's going to be All interesting right. to see that matchup, Chris. I, I'm really excited. Yeah. But we have camp starting tomorrow. If you're listening to this, camp starts in probably just a couple of hours, a couple of minutes. Whenever you're listening to this, last episode we did our offensive preview this episode, we're going to do our defensive preview. And Chris, I know you've been waiting for this. Yes, sir. So we're going to get this started. Okay. Uh, last episode, if you're not familiar, we went down the offensive groups 
group by group, picked out some battles that we were uh, expecting to see in camp. We're going to start with the defensive line. And Chris, this is a defensive line group that for the most part, the starters are pretty set. The question is just depth. Who, who are going to be the guys that are rotating in? So on that starting defensive line, we have Zach Allen, the free agent from Arizona that they just signed this offseason. Big free agent signing. DJ Jones, uh, Mike Purcell, Jonathan Harris, who's been with the team for a couple years now. Matt Henningsen, their six-round pick from last year. Um, Elijah Garcia, Jordan Jackson, PJ Mustafer, um, Hagai, Hagai Debussy. I'm probably butchering that name. Uh, and then Tyler Lancaster. This is a group, Chris, that really needs some more depth, especially with uh, Uwazariki being suspended for the year. What are your expectations in camp for this group? And, and yeah. who are you expecting to see kind of shine out of that group? Of course, we need Zach Allen. He's our big pickup. And he had to replace Draymond Jones. You know, Draymond Jones, I thought it was a solid player. Yeah. Um, so being able to uh, being able to change interchange with them, uh, we still need to figure out who's going to be that right DN. You know, who's going to stick it. right now? You said Matt Henningsen. Yeah. Is uh, he's a guy, and uh, how many? And so we don't really have that much experience. You know, we don't yeah. really have that much depth right there. So I think um, they probably might be looking out. Uh, you know, maybe a guy like Shelby Harris, maybe a, looking for a veteran. Uh, right the end it's kind of like playing that you know um yeah. the three and the five technique yeah um being able to play um not the nose guard but that you know that three tech for that yeah. three four defense so a guy that can be able to play both uh in that range because you got solid nose guards with dj jones and mike purcell oh yeah you're solid yeah, inside you're right there you know with your d tackle so um if depending on how much depth we have, we might look at playing more four three. Yeah. Playing uh, you know, uh a Zach Allen, Randy Gregory at your ends or mm-hmm. or Frank uh Clark, and then yeah. being able to uh, you know, have Mike Purcell and DJ Jones in at the same time. So yeah, uh just depending on what type of run game and type of offense we're facing. So uh I would say I, we need probably one more piece there as a veteran to be able to fill out the D line. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Jonathan Harris has been playing pretty consistent over the last few years in that rotational role. Mike Purcell has been amazing at the nose tackle, really one of the more underrated players on that team. I mean, he was my underrated player on yeah. the defense. I'd love to see them use DJ Jones and Mike Purcell in the same sets. I, I think that when they did that yeah. last year, it was really good. Um, but I definitely agree. I think a guy like Shelby Harris, you bring him in and now you're set. Like you can have Henningsen who was really consistent last year. Henningsen did not play bad at all. It's just about getting him more reps. So Henningsen, if you have Henningsen, Harris, and maybe if you're keeping another one, you, you keep a guy like PJ Mustafer, like just, just keep him around. I think that that's fine, but definitely need to bring in another veteran. I think Shelby is one of those guys who, Broncos country would love to see him come back and I'm sure that he would be welcomed back in with open arms in the organization as well. So that's going to do it for the D line. Chris, let's go over to our outside linebackers, our edges, right? So Baron Browning yeah. is going to start the season on the pup list. They confirmed that Frank Clark. Uh, so after Baron, we have Frank Clark, Nick Benito, 
Christopher Allen, Marcus Haynes. And then on the other side, we have Randy Gregory, Jonathan Cooper, Aaron Patrick, and Thomas Incombe. Chris, I, I think the big, the, the there's no question that this team, uh, this group needs to have a little more pizzazz going into the season. Last year, they were not that great creating pressure. This season, they put a little more emphasis on it. We need Randy Gregory to be healthy. They bring in Frank Clark. Barron's dealing with injuries. Nick Benito didn't really do much last year. He had high expectations. Didn't really do much. He wasn't effective in the run. Wasn't effective in this pass rush. So we need to see him come up a little bit more. Jonathan Cooper is a guy who's been quietly balling out for these last couple years. Um, And Aaron Patrick is a pretty solid rotational rusher, but his value really comes on special teams. So Chris, I think our big battle here that we need to watch out for in this edge room is the battle between Nick Benito and Chris Allen, as well as Jonathan Cooper and Aaron Patrick. What are you expecting to see from those battles in camp? I think right now we have to pencil in Randy Gregory, um, probably at your right outside linebacker. Yeah. Uh, your weak side, like your weak outside linebacker. Yeah. And then probably have Frank Clark as your strong side, you know, because he's more of a bigger body. Uh, you can keep him rushing more. Randy Gregory would have to play like a um, – in the 3-4, we would kind of say that would be like the Sam. Yeah. He would uh, – or sometimes playing the Sam, depending on what defense that you play. Yeah. Because Vaughn was the Sam, but he was more of our coverage type of backer. Mm-hmm. right so d Ware was more of the rusher guy so we would see frank clark kind of playing that d Ware role where they're going to make him rush a little bit more and have gregory play more in coverage and then i think that's where cooper will fill in he'll be able to rotate in yeah. with gregory you know and playing that weak spot but we definitely need uh browning to get back healthy um aaron pack aaron patrick we need him definitely to be able to uh, be a special teams guy because you're only going to keep six of these guys. Yeah. Right. So hopefully, maybe we get a rookie or undrafted guy that can come up and, you know, that's an undrafted that can make me still one of those spots. Yeah. But like you said, Nick Benito, we definitely need some improvement from him yeah. uh, to be able to be in that rotational. But really, you need three. You need your main three guys. And right now, I would say Frank Clark, Randy Gregory, and Cooper would be my three guys rotational. Um, to start the season. Yeah, I I definitely would keep an eye out for uh, Christopher Allen. He was a undrafted free agent coming out last year. He was dealing with a foot injury uh, that he suffered at Alabama and kept him out. But man, he, he showed some flashes. And when you see this guy in person, he's massive. He is a big, big dude. And we want to see him kind of be health like we want to see him be healthy but we want to see what he can do as far as pass rush goes setting the edge really wasn't his strong suit it was more you know that power rush which i think him being on that same side and working with frank clark is going to be so amazing for his development but i yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right there, there has to be someone who can come in and, and be a rotational guy as long as baron is out you know frank clark cannot be taking every snap randy gregory cannot be taking every snap we have to see some other guys come in and really fill in that hole. So edge group is going to be one that we're going to keep an eye on, Chris. I'm really excited for that. Maybe we see Drew Sanders take some of those snaps. Maybe we see a guy yeah. like 
who, if he's not getting those inside reps, maybe they say, Hey, screw it. We're going to put you out. Yeah. I would pencil pencil him in as a uh, third down rusher slash inside linebacker. Cause um, I definitely see him having potential to be able to edge rush for sure. Yeah. He did some of it at Alabama. He started at Alabama as an edge rusher and then did some of it at Arkansas as well. But Chris, that's going to take us to that inside linebacker group. And this is one where it's, they have their three guys. And honestly, I feel like they have their four guys, but it's really going to come down to one key battle. So we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about that battle here in a second, but that inside land inside linebacker group includes Josie Jewell, Alex Singleton, Jonas Griffith, rookie Drew Sanders, Justin Sternod, Ray Wilborn, and Seth Benson, the college free agent. Um, Chris, Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton, pretty much set in stone. Those are going to be our starters. Yeah. But uh, the big battle that we're going to look at is, yeah, Drew Sanders is there, but Jonas Griffith actually was really playing well and really playing consistently. Yeah. Um, before he suffered his own injury. So the big battle that we're going to talk about is between him and Justin Sternod, who really hasn't found his role yet um, as a linebacker in the NFL. What do you think uh, is the expectation for camp in this battle between these two? Man, it's going to see who's going to come out the best on special teams, who can make the most plays. Because we've seen Jonas Griffith. he, He came in and filled in solid. You know, I don't think the defense um, fell off too much at all when he came in, had to come in at, at, at backer. Yeah. So as um, we have our, our top four probably penciled in with Griffith, Sanders, Jewel, and Singleton. So it's yeah. going to um, depend on how many uh, backers coaches wants to keep. Probably keep five, four yeah. to five, because the backers play a lot of special teams. And so you're going to – you might see um, – you might see uh, Sternard uh, stay on the team because he he's still a freak body, you know. And he, yeah. they drafted him. He's an you athlete. know this guy's like six two, six three. You know he's a big size backers. He's bigger than the other the starting backers. So yeah, you know you never know what he can what he might be able to show this year. So uh, I would say those five might be looking uh, looking pretty safe right now in the backer in the backer room. Yeah, well, we're so excited to see uh, Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton come back again. They were probably one of the best inside linebacker duos in the league last year. Adding in Drew Sanders, that athleticism, that's going to be a lot of fun to see. So that's going to do it for the inside linebacker group. Let's go over to the safeties, Chris. And we're going to save cornerbacks for last because I know that's your favorite group. So we're going to talk about the safeties. Uh, Justin Simmons, obviously, he's going to be starting. Kareem Jackson coming back for another year. I think that's huge. They get that veteran leadership back. And he's so beloved in that locker room. This is where it gets tricky. Caden Stearns, PJ Locke, JL Skinner, the rookie, uh, Delarin Turner Yell, who was the, the fifth round pick last year, and then Devon Key, um, who was a free agent last year, who they brought back. The big battle, Chris, in this safety room even with Kareem Jackson coming back. I feel like Kareem is going to get a lot of snaps still, but this big battle that we have to look at is who's going to be the one that stands out between Caden Stearns, PJ Locke, and JL Skinner, because there's only so many spots that they're going to keep. I don't know how many DBs Vance is going to keep. I don't know how many DBs that uh, Sean is going to keep. 
I feel like they'll keep maybe five safeties and six corners or five safeties and five corners. It's hard to tell, but mm-hmm. what do you think about this battle between Stearns, Locke, and Skinner? Yeah, I see five making the team. So it's going to be, um, does uh, do they like P.J. Locke? I think really P.J. Locke is the really uh, the guy that's competing for that fourth, that fifth spot. Because mm-hmm. I think JL is really taking that fourth spot. So yeah. it's going to be a competition out of those uh, De- DeLorean and PJ and Devin Key. I think those guys are going to be in the competition for that fifth spot. And PJ Locke has been – he's been there for a while now. Yeah. So yeah. Um, he's kind of a vet now. He kind of understands what's going on. And um, now I, I thought Caden Stearns would be headed to that next level to be a starting safety. Yeah. So um, they must know something about him that we don't know that um, reason why they don't want him to be to that next level as, as a starter. Yeah. So um, we, you got to, and then this system, Coach Vance Joseph's system, you're going to play three safeties. Yeah. Right? So we expect one that, whoever that safety's down, you're going to play the dime. You're going to be able to, you're going to play the run. You're going to have to be able to cover yep. um, and be able to blitz. So that's a role that I see J.L. Skinner shining at. Yeah. Uh, once he levels get healthy. So it's going to be interesting to see uh how this plays out but uh i think Caden stearns uh i'm questioning uh what's going on with him why he hasn't risen to that next level um like uh we expected pretty fast because i thought he had i mean he came in making plays uh out the gate yeah and he's suffered a couple injuries and and you know i i thought that this was going to be the year i thought this was going to be the year that he took over the starting spot um but they brought back Kareem and, and it was, that was kind of the turning point of like, are, is he actually ready to take over that spot? It, it, are they going to wait another year to see if he's ready to do that? I mean, going into a new defense, uh, not really that much of a new defense. They're blending both right. of those systems, but I thought that this was going to be the year that we saw Justin Simmons, Caden Stearns as the starting safeties. It might end up that way. By the end of training camp, it might be that way. They might use Kareem as more of a situational guy. But I just, I don't know. I, I can't see that. I feel like Kareem's veteran leadership and his drive and his hunger is is not going to let him just give up a starting spot. So he's he's been in the league for a long time. He's a guy who knows Vance Joseph's system. He's, he's a guy who knows that last system that they worked in. So I don't really see him giving up that spot too easily. But... Definitely going to keep our eyes on that safety competition. The last one, Chris, the cornerbacks. This is where your expertise comes into play so well. So in this cornerback room, we have Pat Sertan, the second, Tremont Smith, and Art Green, the undrafted free agent. Uh, On the other side, we have Damari Mathis, the fourth-round pick from last year, third-round pick from this year, Riley Moss from Iowa, Delonte Hood, K1 Williams in the nickel, Jaquan McMillian, Isang Bassey, and Fayon Hicks. The big competition that we're going to be looking at. There's a couple in this. Obviously, Pat Sertan is locked in. I think we can agree on that. Damari Mathis versus Riley Moss. This is going to be the big competition in camp that everyone is going to be keeping their eyes on. Damari Mathis, a little undersized. He's not that big, but he played really well outside last year. Riley Moss, young guy, definitely has the athletic tools, but can he compete at the NFL level and be productive? 
What are you expecting? To, what are you watching? When you watch camp yeah. and you watch these two battle, what are you specifically looking for in this competition? I want to see who's going to separate themselves. Who's going to be able to stand up, you know, opposite of, of Sertan. And, of course, we've seen Mathis play solid last year, but can he do it again, right? Yeah. You still got to go out there and prove it. Um, I think he had like seven or eight PBUs. I don't know if he had any picks or anything. Yeah. But um, uh, that's, he still had a solid rookie year. You know, he didn't play bad. Um, Riley Moss, we, he's a very productive in college. And uh, I think he graded out well all throughout the combine. So he definitely yep. has capability to be able to come in and play. Um, Traymond Smith, um, I don't remember too, hearing too much about him. Uh, but I think he's a guy that was been a special teams guy, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. He, um, I think returner. I seen that he did have a. He did have a pick last year, so yeah. uh, or two picks last year. So uh, he was he he did get on the board. So he hey. might be a guy that can might be able to challenge for that starting spot yeah. opposite of um, Sertan. So it's going to be some uh, good competition. I think K1 already took pretty much the slot. He's yeah. the best slot. Yeah. So um, I don't think there's any competition right there. So it's going to be out of those. It's I think it's pretty much wide open. Right. Yeah. Everybody has to go out there and um, uh, they have to go out there and try to see who can take over that spot. So I think the coaches are probably keeping it wide open and letting them go out there and compete. Of course, you probably start with Mathis yeah. at the beginning of training camp, but it's his job to lose. Yeah. Right. He has the job and it's, it's his job to lose. So in camp, you know, let, let's say you're back in camp. Right. And you're competing for, uh, you know, you're let's say you're Damari Mathis. What are what are some of the things that you are going to be like focusing on as far as, you know, your individual reps um, and then going into like seven on seven and then going into team reps? What are some of the things that you would be focusing on as a cornerback in that position? Definitely with Coach Van Joseph's system, you're going to be on the island. So it's being able to master the different techniques of what in his system that he's going to want you to do. And, uh, of course, playing opposite of Sertan, they're probably going to give him a little bit more help, you know, and put probably put Sertan on the island. So it's just being able to master those chances whenever you get some traps, whenever you do get some help. And understand that teams are going to probably take some shots at you. So understand what coverage is and understand um, when teams might want to want to take some shots at you and be able to play the ball. So um, for him, his main focus is no deep balls. Yeah. Right. No big plays. Yeah. And then uh, from there on, make start making plays. So uh, that that would be his main focus if I'm him. Yeah. And he's going to have to go against a lot of bigger wide receivers and a lot of fast wide receivers as well. He's going to have to go against guys yeah. like Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick, who are both six, four, you know, 200 plus pounds. Uh, Jerry Judy is about six foot six one. Um, and, and yeah. you know, he's shifty at the line. He's going to have to go against guys like Marquez Calloway, Marvin Mims, KJ Hamler. When he comes back, he's going to have to go against some really tough competition. And, you know, we can only hope that it's that iron sharpens iron type of thing, right? Like he's, we can't expect him to be perfect on every play uh, and every rep. Only he can expect to be perfect on, on every rep, but it's definitely going to be one of those things that we're going to keep an eye out for. This cornerback battle is going to be interesting because Jaquan McMillian can play as well. He could play outside. He he played pretty well last year um, in, in some limited uh, snaps during the games in the last couple of weeks. Sang Bassey as well. Like he's a guy that can play the nickel really well. 
He's been proven in this league. Um, he just, you know, he's got to stay healthy as well. So definitely, uh, definitely interesting to see this cornerback room kind of develop. I felt like going into this year, it, that was one of those areas where the Broncos kind of needed to, like they need to get another presence, but now I'm feeling a little more confident. The youth still kind of scares me, but I feel like Mathis and Moss, both of those guys are, are very talented and, and they're going to be able to do good things in Vance Joseph's system. So that is our training camp preview for defense. We are done with our training camp preview, unless you want to talk about special teams, which we have a kicker competition. And I think <laughs> between we, Brent- might do, we might have to do a little bit of uh, preview. <laughs> we might, have, <laughs> we might have to do that. They, Hey, we do it real quick. They brought back Riley Dixon. They brought in Brett, Mar- uh, Brett Marr and Elliot Fry for a kicker competition. It's going to be between those two guys. And there's your special teams preview right <laughs> there it is oh, Riley, welcome home yeah welcome home right hey he did a good job i don't know uh i don't know what was going on with the special teams coach um you know i'm not gonna I'm not gonna i'm gonna throw anybody under the bus but uh, when y'all brought in marquette king i was excited i thought he was gonna be you know retiring a bronco and uh something happened and every punter yeah. after that has just been uh you know anyways We'll we'll talk about that in a different episode, but we're going to get to the last segment of this show. My favorite segment, the no fly zone, Chris training camp is a lot of fun for us to watch as fans, not as fun for you guys to go through in the physical aspect, but I want to talk about the, the mental aspect. Um, for you, was there ever a big camp battle between you and another player oh man i think after my rookie year um being able to i think i had a camp battle with parish cox my rookie year yeah so we had a good camp battle and then that next year i think i was all rookie team after my rookie year and then the following year i had a uh we brought in tracy porter yeah and we 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 paid tracy i think one year five million and we paid uh drayton florence yeah. So we brought in two vets and they had penciled those guys in to be starting with champ. Mm-hmm. And I ended up beating out both of them. And uh, so that was a good camp battle right there. And I mean, they got free money, man. They got to come to training camp and, <laughs> and I had to send them home. But hey, man, they they got the double dip, man. So uh, they, they got to make a little bit more money. So it worked out for uh, uh, Florence. And I think Tracy ended up playing with us that first year. So yeah. Um, you got a he was in and out because of injuries. Yeah, he was in and out of injuries, and he, he I mean, he started out with a bang, yeah. you know. But um, really, uh, really, um, uh, the first started with Tracy Porter and Champ, and then eventually he got hurt, mm-hmm. and then I pretty much started the rest of that year on. So yeah, uh, that's pretty much how it went, man. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a couple camps I had. So when you're in that. Can I know, I know we talked a little bit about like what you're looking for as far as technique goes and stuff, but for you yeah. as a player, uh, the the physical side of it is what it is. It's the physical side. Who's the better athlete? Who's got better technique? But your mentality, what was your mentality like during camp, during these training camp battles? Yeah. 
Oh, man. Was, I, I knew I was one of the best, so I already had that in my head coming back. Uh, especially after my first year, I was very confident uh, coming into the next year that I didn't really care who they brought in. You know, uh, I was going to be able to come out alive, so uh, just uh, come out on top. So that was just my mindset that I'm uh, I'm able to play outside, play the slot, play safety, um, play and be able to student of the game. So um, I had my mindset ready uh, to go and compete, and that's what they got for me every day. I was a competitor, so um, that was able. My competition, my competitive edge, was able to um, pretty much rise to the occasion, and um, from there, you know, I was able to, uh, to pretty much take all the spot, you know, being able to start against, start opposite of a Hall of Fame player, play with a Hall of Fame player uh, with Champ. Yeah. Um, uh, that was, you know, that's a small, that's a that's a tough test, you know, with an undrafted guy playing opposite a guy. So uh, I was able to still be productive. And I think my second year, really, I was, I should have been Pro Bowl that year, man. Yeah. Definitely an all-pro year. Um, for the numbers I put up that year, so yeah. but you know, as me being undrafted, I had to do I had to ball out four years before I could even get noticed yeah. on those uh, accolades. But uh, I definitely um, separated myself after that second year. Yeah, that the I I feel like that mentality of of like I'm just I have to compete and like no like obviously every athlete is going to feel like no one's going to take this job from me. But as an undrafted guy, like you have only so many opportunities and every rep counts, every rep matters. So that kind of leads us into my last question here. Is there any tip that you would give to undrafted free agents going into their first NFL training camp? Man, uh, the biggest tip is um, to go out there and try to make the team on special teams. You know, that was my first goal. Uh, Of course, they could see that I could cover. I could, I was versatile. But um, go out there and make plays on the special teams, and that's how you earn and solidify that spot as a role player, you know. And I did that for four or five games, and after that I was done with it, yeah. you know. I was done with special teams after that. So um, that's 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 all you got to do, you know. Not everybody's um, going to be able to come in and be an instant starter. You know, a Von Miller, you know, a guy that starts day one since you get there. Yeah. You know, that's how Von was, you know. Uh, so not everybody's going to get that opportunity to do that. So you got to go in, try to find a role on the team and, uh, and make yourself productive at, at somewhere that they want to keep you. And that's how you got to squeeze in on the team. I think Denver, we've always had a, um, success rate with undrafted and finding guys, um, a lot of, almost every year. Yeah. So, um, I, I, w- I, I suspect us to find us to have one guy that's going to, pop up and hopefully he can make plays. So yeah, um, definitely looking forward to see who that's going to be. Yeah, me too. Well, training camp officially underway uh, for the Denver Broncos. Very excited to see what Sean Payton and co can do. Is there going to be more drama with the Sean Payton stuff? Are we going to see some more coaches around the league have things to say about Sean Payton? We'll see. We'll find out. You'll hear it here on Let's ride with Chris Harris Jr. and Patrick Coyote. Make sure that you subscribe to this podcast on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Follow us on Twitter at Chris Harris Jr., at Patrick Coyote, at Believe Network. And Chris, I speak for you. I speak for myself. Until next time, Broncos country, let's ride. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.